Yes, with the name. Yeah, yesterday I was going to announce them. He's here. All right, so we'll say so. Our learning today is dedicated, first of all, by Anne Berman in memory of, and Matt, and, excuse me, Anne Berman and Lydia Berman, Mrs. Berman in memory of his son and husband, Sheldon Berman, Shmuel Yoel Ben Shalom Tovya, as well as by Hal and Vicky Kane in memory of house father Moshe Ben Yosef Akoin. And Mr. and Mrs. Martyr sponsored yesterday's shear, and we're going to dedicate our learning again today. Mr. Martyr, the name? Mr. Martyr, the name? Rebbes and Shoshana Rezel Bas Menachem Mendel, and we hope in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of these neshamas have an aliyah. All right. So we'll say, so we have a lot to do today. So we left off, really a lot to do today. We left off, today's daf is Chavav, but we left off, excuse me, yeah, today's daf is Chavav, we left off Chav Hei Amud Beis, only two, four, six, eight, ten lines down from the top. So remember again, the Mishnah said, Haraktiv Hargnu Tinasei. So remember again, I will say the Mishnah had a case where the age shows up and says, I killed your husband, says the woman, I killed your husband in Bezdin, or says that we killed your husband in Bezdin. So remember again, we had a Machlokistan Akamen Rabbi Huda. But everybody agrees that in the case of Hargunuhu, that ultimately, again, the testimony is believed, but the aide is not permitted to marry the woman. So the Gemara says the following. The Gemara says, Why is it that if the witness says, I killed your husband, then what? Then at least according to Rabbi Huda, he's not believed at all. Right? According to the Rabbanon, he's believed, but Lamaise can't marry them. According to Rabbi Huda, he's not believed at all. But yet, again, in the case of Harganuhu, we killed your husband. That, again, the husband is believed. According to everyone, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Amr Rabbi Yehuda, what's the case? Because according to Rabbi Yehuda, the case is not where he says, we killed him. The case is where what? Where the man, the aide says, I was with the group that killed your husband. I was there, but I did not participate. I have a hot that they said there was an episode of a listis, a, a, a listim, a robber who was going to be executed by this by Gentile authorities, which are literally the crossroads of Kapotkia. For Amalehem, listen to this. So as the robber is being led out to be executed, he cries out, Go and tell the wife of Shimon ben Cohen, Ani Harakti es Baila. Go and tell her I killed her husband. In other words, what, no, no, why would you say such a thing like that? Because obviously, again, they were wondering about the whereabouts of her husband. She was effectively in Aguna. So as he's about to be executed, he says, just tell her I killed her husband. And what happened? As I was walking into the city of Lod, or others say it was when the husband was walking into Lod. And what happened? And they married off, they allowed the wife of Shimon ben Cohen to go ahead and marry based on the testimony of this individual being let out to be executed. So what do you see from here? You see from here that Lamaisa, again, now this is a case of Haraktiv. This is a case of literally where the aide is saying, I killed the guy. And yet what? And yet we see that Lamaisa, he is believed. To which the Gemara says, He said to them, is that a raya? No, no, no. The case over there is not where the guy who is being executed said, I killed Shimon ben Cohen's wife, excuse me, husband. But rather, again, 
I'm sorry, not where he said, I killed Shimon Ben Cohen, but rather where he says, I was with the group who killed Shimon Ben Cohen. I baha listim katani. But one second, if that's the case, if that's the case, then why does it call him a listim? Shinitbas ayede listios. Because ultimately, again, he was captured by the Gentile authorities because of robbery. He was guilty of the of the of the of the crime of robbery. I Bahayat the Hari Katani. So I'll say, but one second, but why are they executing him for robbery? Meaning that sounds a little bit harsh for robbery, to which the Gemara says, Beidina do Obdekochavim the Lodaiki Vikatli, because again this was a Gentile court. And in Gentile courts often they ex- they they ex they executed people even for relatively minor infractions. So we'll say what comes out over here, therefore the, the Gemara qualifies statement of the Mishnah. Then the Mishnah's model, it's not, it's not where he's saying we killed the husband where he's believed. It's where the aide says, I was with the group who killed your husband. Ultimately, again, I did not participate in that, but I was with the group. And therefore, again, I saw what happened. So according to both the Tanakama and Rabbi Huda, his testimony is believed, but of course he is not permitted to marry the woman herself. Says the Mishnah, says another very interesting case. So what happens? So let's say a woman goes ahead and makes a nether. So according to Rashi, the nether is, she takes a nether not to get any benefit from her husband. So obviously, if a woman makes a nether like that, it makes marriage a little bit complicated. So what happens? So she goes to the chacham, she goes to the, she goes to the, to the, to the rav, and he is unable to annul that vow for her. Now, we'll, we'll discuss this. He's unable to go ahead and... Now, remember, again, we'll say annulment of vows. You know, it's not like what we do at Taras Nadarim on Erev Rosh Hashanah, right? Hakal mutrelach, hakal sharoilach, in kanlo, nedulon. All right, so that, that's a much more symbolic revocation of vows. Real revocation of vows requires what we call charata or a pesach, right? You have to find an obi. I Meaning it's a technical... So let's say she goes to the chacham. The chacham says, listen, I can't help you. You're stuck with this nether. So we'll say, so what happens as a result? Husband divorces the wife. So, because again, you can't live, you can't have a marriage under those kind of circumstances. So, the Mishnah says that the Tamut Chacham, right, the Rav, who paskin that he cannot annul her, that he cannot annul the vow, can't what? Can't marry her after her husband divorces her because it looks a little bit fishy if suddenly again he can't find a Pesach and right after they divorce, the Tamut Chacham goes in and marries her. Miana. However, if a woman does miyun, remember what I say, miyun is the process, again, remember if a woman was married off, girl was married off as a katana by her mother or her brother, she has the ability simply to refuse her husband. And again, that retroactively dissolves the marriage. Or, a woman does chalitza bifanav in front of the tam t'chacham, he is permitted to marry her. Why? The Gemara says, because remember in both of those cases of miyun as well as chalitza, you require a bezdin, Therefore, again, even though the Chacham is part of the Beisdin, we don't view it as if he didn't do it of his own volition on his own. Therefore, because he's part of the collective, therefore, the Maiz, again, he would be permitted to go ahead and marry a woman who did Mion or Chalitza as part of his Beisdin. Says the Gemara, Ha-Hetira, Ha-Hetira, Yisa'ena. And I was saying, interestingly enough, what's the case here? From the Mishnah, what it sounds like is like this. What, now, the Mishnah's case is, a woman comes before the Chacham, says, I made an answer not to get benefit from my husband. So if the Chacham says, I'm sorry, I can't help you, and then the husband divorces her, so the Tamut Chacham may not marry the woman. But, but, but it sounds like, let's say the Tamut Chacham did release her from the nether. 
did release her. And then let's say for some reason later on, the couple gets divorced. Then what? The Chacham would be permitted to go ahead and marry this woman. So the Gemara says, one second. So, Bamaya Askinan, I will say now, how exactly is this Chacham going ahead and releasing her from this vow? If we're talking about a singular Tamt Chacham, Chad Mimatsi Matir, is a Tamt Chacham, an individual able to go ahead and be Matir Nedr. Rabbi Ami, Tana, Hataras Nedarim Bishlosha. In order to go ahead and do revocation of vows, you require three people. Ve'ela betlasa. So maybe you're going to say the Mishnah's case is with three. Michashidi. So we'll say whenever you have something done by a group of three, the individual is not suspect of working for personal motivations. Because after all, we learned v'hatnan miyana o'shechatzabefanavisa'ena mipnei shubezim. We learned before, we learned in the Mishnah that what that if a woman does miyun or chalitz in a basin, one of the dayanim is permitted to marry that woman after the fact. So the Marsali olam bechad. In reality, the case of the neder is where there's one time with Chacham. Remember again, as much as normally Hataras and the Dharma revocation of vows requires a basin of three, there's one exception which is Yachid Mumcha means an individual who is a recognized expert. So an individual who is a recognized expert in the realm of Nadarim has the ability to do revocation of vows, even as an individual. That must be the case that the Mishnah is referring to. If she did Mion or Chalitza in front of the Beisdin, ultimately again, ultimately the, one of the Dayanim was able to marry this woman after the fact, since he did not he did not release her on his own. So the Gemara says, time of the Beisdin the reason why the Mishnah allows for, for one of the, for one of the Rabbanim to marry the, to marry the woman is because it's a Beisdin. Habitray lo. But it sounds like what? It sounds like if it was just a group of two Rabbanim who were doing this, that one of them would not be permitted to go ahead and marry the woman after the fact. What is different than that which we learned before? So what yet we learned is interesting that if you have witnesses who signed on, let's say, the sale of a, of a field or witnesses that sign on the get of a woman, Right? The rabbis were not concerned for this. So what does that mean? If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, If Adam signed on a, on a document of sale of a field, and one of those Adam later on wants to buy that field, no problem. Or if witnesses sign on a get, and afterwards again, one of the witnesses wants to marry the divorcee, there's no problem. There's no problem. So the Gemara says, therefore, the Maisa, again, it sounds like the only time there's a problem is when is when you are the one individual who is affecting the change in status of the woman. But if you're not a one individual, you're working with another person, then the Maisa, it sounds like you don't need a Beisdin, but any group of two or more, one of those individuals would be able to marry the woman. So to which the Gemara says, I'll tell you, Zoe Gufa Kamashalam, this is teaching us an important idea. La Fuki Mandamar Mion Bifne Shnai Kamashalam Mion Gimel. Well, say, because the Mishnah is teaching us another halacha, which is that there's a fundamental machlokis as to the context in which Mion must occur. So there is an opinion that holds that Mion could occur in front of two witnesses, but, or, or in front of two. But the Mishnah is going to teach us that what? That we paskin, that Mion must occur in front of a Beisdin, a minimum of three Rabbanim. Okay. Ibailahu. What happens, what happens 
if the man who was, we just said, was not permitted to go ahead and marry this woman, went ahead and married the woman. You know, so let, let's play this out. Woman comes to the Chacham to go ahead and annul her vow that she can't get her from her husband. Chacham says, I can't help you. Husband divorces wife. The Mishnah says, Tam Chacham, you may not marry that woman. It doesn't look right. Let's say he married her. Let's say he married her. Right? Or for that matter, again, you know, from last Mishnah. So the, the age shows up and says, the get was written in front of me, was, was sealed in front of me. Testimony is affected on his behalf. We said, shouldn't marry him, shouldn't marry the woman. But let's say he did. So let's say you have cases over here where there are men who should not be marrying these women, but they did so anyway. What is the status of the marriage? So the Gemara says, Rav Kana says, listen, if you marry her, you have to divorce her. Because the Mishnah said you shouldn't marry her. Rav Ashi said, no, even if you, ma- if you married her, you shouldn't have married her. But if you did say, so, you don't have to divorce her. Tani Luhu Rav Zuti Papa. So Rav Zutib Debeira Papa said that it seems to be the halacha follows the one who says that if he married her, he need not divorce her. So the rabbis asked Ravashi, Ravashi, you who said that if you marry the woman, you don't have to divorce her. Is that a gemara? Meaning, you say gemara means, is that a tradition that you receive? Is that a masora? You receive this from your rebellion? Or svara? Or is this your own logic? It's a Mishnah. If there's a previous Mishnah, if the previous, if a man, where there were rumors about a man having an intimate relationship with a Shifcha, and then she was emancipated, or or there are rumors that he's had a relationship with a, with a Gentile woman, and she converted, he should not marry these women, women, and if he did, we don't make him divorce. Alma, therefore, what do you see? Tap of Chavav. say, what do we see? We see that we don't make people divorce because of rumors. So to also we will say that we do not go ahead and make people divorce because of rumors. So I say again, when the rumor mill is at work or when the rumor mill could be at work, we say better to stay from such a marriage. But if you married the woman, if the only thing that's working against you now, if there's, there's a rumor circulating, then again, we're not going to make you divorce because of rumor. Of course, I will say, remember, this goes in line with what we learned yesterday. The, the, obviously, if a rumor satisfies certain halacha criteria, as you saw in yesterday's daf, that could force the dissolution of a marriage. But assuming that the rumor does not conform to this criteria, even though that rumor was enough for the rabbis to say, please don't marry this woman, if they married, we would not make them divorce. Says the Mishnah. This is another interesting case. All of these cases before where we said that the man should not marry the woman. For example, again, he shows up in Bezin and he is the one who says, I know that your husband died. Or, or he is the Chacham who cannot go ahead and annul or revoke her vow. In all of these cases, let's say Rabosai, these men were married at the time of these events. And then what happens? Afterwards, their, wives di- their wife died. Right, so a simple case. So Tam Tchacham's wife died. He couldn't revoke the vow. Husband divorces his wife. Then the Tam Tchacham's wife dies at a later time. At that point in time, 
mutaros li nasilahem. The men listed in the Mishnah could go back and marry these women. They can go back and marry these women afterwards. Why are both So again, the logic over there is is a little bit is more obvious. Why? Because Lamai says since they were married at the time that these events occurred, and their wives died subsequently, if they go and they marry these women who they permitted, or in the case of Chacham did not permit, it doesn't look like there's any kind of marital collusion going on over here. If let's say any of these women mentioned went ahead and married someone else, they married another man. So, for example, I'm just let's just stick with the with the. So what happens? So Reuven shows up in base and says, Therefore, again, therefore, therefore, assures the validity what caller of Leah's get. Leah goes and marries another guy. So the halach is Leah can't marry Reuven. Leah can't marry Reuven. So what happens? But Leah marries someone else. And then Leah's, this is now her second husband, dies or divorces her. Leah would then be permitted to marry who? Would then be permitted to marry Ruvain, the guy who essentially established the validity of her divorce. Because why, you know, Bosai, since she's already been married to another man, it doesn't look like what Ruvain said or did, what Ruvain said, was in order to allow him to marry the woman of Haraya, she married someone else. In all of these cases where we say that the woman may not marry the man who essentially is responsible for changing her status, she would be permitted to marry the son of this man or the brother of this man, just not the man himself. So the Gemara says, Mesu in this Shulom. And also what's interesting is the Mishnah said that if, let's say again, the man who was responsible for changing her status was married at the time when this happened, and his wife subsequently died, he'd be permitted to go ahead and marry this woman. But it sounds like what? Only if his wife died. If he divorced his wife, he would not be permitted to marry this woman. Now, both say, that makes sense to us. Why? Because Lamaisa, again, divorce, divorce, remember, is a process that's in a shape. It could very well be that what happens, he now met this woman in, in Baisden. He says, wow. Wow. Okay, so right, so maybe he's going to divorce his wife ultimately again in order to marry her. Therefore, it sounds like what the Gemara's Dafka saying is it's only if his wife dies does he have the license then afterwards to marry her, to which the Gemara says, but we learn, but yet there's a Brisa that says, no, even if what? Even if the men who were responsible for the change in status of this woman, if their, own, if their wife died, excuse me, if they divorced, they also would be permitted to marry this woman afterwards. It's actually very interesting. The Gemara says, it depends on the nature of their marriage. If they had, if they had a contentious marriage, even before he ever testified in Beis, meaning let's say they had a contentious marriage, before he said, or the Chacham has a contentious marriage, before he before he's unable to permit her vow, or any of the other cases, the meaning, so therefore, the, the marriage was already rocky from the beginning. I'm sorry? Has to have a cold that's rocky, right? So, right, so again, if it... Well, it must obviously. Otherwise, how, how do you establish it? Otherwise, it's got it's got to be known in some way. It's got to be known. So, if the, if the, if there if there was if there was difficulty in the marriage prior 
to his testimony in Beisdin. So then Lamai said again, again, the fact when the marriage dissolves, he's permitted to marry this woman because we don't assume that he divorced his wife to marry this woman because Lamai said again, the marriage was rocky from the beginning. However, again, if suddenly the marriage was fine, but then after he comes home from Beisdin and he says, suddenly again from that point forward, the marriage becomes a little bit contentious and rocky. He says, the Gemara, that looks a little bit fishy and therefore we will still tell him not to go ahead and marry this woman. The other possibility is, the truth is, both cases, you can still look at both situations as where there was no pre-existing, there was no pre-existing contention. Even if there was no pre-existing tension, and the tension only began after this whole thing in Beisdin, so what does it depend on? It depends, but now tension starts, who's starting? Who is the one who is picking the fights? So if he's the one who's picking the fights, if he's the one who's picking the fights, then the Maestro would say, okay, come on, everything was fine until now. Now suddenly you met this woman in Beisdin, and now suddenly you're picking fights every single day with your wife. So then again, it seems to be you're looking to get out of this marriage, and therefore we would still stick to our halachic guns and say, you should not marry her. But if she's starting up with him, which of course never happens, right? If if she's if she's starting up if she's starting up with him, then the mice again that's not his fault. If it ends up in divorce, then the mice so we would permit him to go ahead and marry the other woman. The chulon shinisu. And I will say, remember again, then the next case of the Mishnah was, so let's, let, again, let's just simply play this out. So man comes to Beisdin, says, therefore establishes the, the validity of her divorce. So the halach is, he can't marry her. He can't marry her. But now Lemaisa, what happened? Now Lemaisa, what happened? She went and married someone else. Or, or she went and married someone else. Or, okay, she went and married someone else. And then again, then she got divorced from husband number two. Then she's permitted to marry the aide. So the Gemara says, Now listen to this. Remember, there are two cases over here. Case number one is the Gittin case that I just told you. Case number two is what? Where Ruven shows up in Beisdin and says, I know that your husband died. He says to Leah, I know that your husband died. What happens? Leah goes ahead and gets remarried. And her second husband dies. So we're assuming now that the case of a divorce line up with divorce and death with death. So in a case where the guy is showing, Reuven showing up in Beisdin and it says, which means, Leah, you're divorced. Leah marries husband number two, gets divorced from him. Mishnah says, now Reuven, you're permitted to marry Leah. Case number two, Reuven shows up in Beisdin. Leah, your husband's dead. Leah remarries. Second husband dies. Now Leah is permitted to marry Reuven. So again, we're assuming that cases of divorce line up with divorce, death line up with death. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, our Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rebbe. Why? Both said, it's actually very interesting. We'll get into this sugi later on. There's a concept called a katlanis. A katlanis, essentially, for lack of a better term, is like a black widow, right? That I, The idea over here is that if a woman is married to multiple men, n- not at the same time, obviously, successive, right? Successive marriages, and they're dying, and they're dying, the halacha says something, something is going on. Something's going on. So there's, we'll, we're actually going to do this sugya. There's a machlokas as to how many husbands you have to knock off in order to go ahead and be called a katlanis, right? Is it two or is it three? Now, I will say, if you line up the case of 
of death and death, what that means is, Leo, Le, right, Le, Le, what happens? Reuven shows up in Basin and says, Leo, your husband's dead. Now, I will say, interestingly, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have, to have to discuss the parameters of this halacha because that sounds like a case of where maybe Leo wasn't even with her husband at all. So, we're not going to get too into this sugi now, that's a sugi later on. But let's say so that's husband number one is dead. Then, Leo remarries, husband number two is dead. So, the Gemara is just saying this Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Zera, excuse me, like Rebbe, because Rebbe holds that all you don't. Whereas normally Chazak is established with three, with matters of Sakonas Nafashos, so Chazak is often established with two. So according to Rebbe, she would not be permitted to marry Reuven because she would not be permitted to marry any man because she would have the status of a Katlonis, to which the Gemara answers, it's not a problem, the Gemara says. Uh, to which the Gemara ultimately answers that no, you don't have to line up the case of divorce with divorce and death with death. It really, the Gemara is not being medaic in that. That it could be that, again, in the case of where he t- testifies that her husband died, she then gets remarried, husband number two, she gets divorced from husband number two. Or, again, in the case where ultimately the aide says, she's divorced, she gets married to husband number two, and husband number two dies. So you don't automatically have to line up death with death and divorce with divorce. Therefore, the Mishnah could even be in accordance with Rabbi. The Chulan was an interesting halacha. So remember, in all of these cases that we've established, these women may not marry these men who essentially are responsible for changing their status. But, so as much, remember, Ruvain is our guy. Ruvain is the guy, he's the status changer. So as much as Leah can't marry Ruvain, but the Mishnah said she can marry, she can marry Ruvain's son, or she can marry Ruvain's brother. Now, why is this different from that which we learned? So we'll say, why is it? Why is it that we learned before? We learned before, actually, we actually just, we're going to see this later on. We saw the case of Nitta Mina Isha, but we'll see this halacha later on. If a man, if there are rumors that a man is engaged in an illicit relationship with a woman, not only is he not permitted to marry her, but he's also not permitted to marry her mother, or her daughter, or her sister. So yet, so we see over here that in the case of where a man is suspected of an illicit union with a woman, that he can't marry her relatives, yet in this case over here, the woman is permitted to marry the relatives of this man who changed her status. He, she can't marry him himself, but she can marry his siblings, or whatever, his brother, his brother or his son. To which the Yomar says, I'll tell you why. Nashi legabi, nashi shchichin da'azlan. Gavri legabi, gavri lo shchichan. We'll say, because the Yomar says, answer number one, is that, remember, women often visit one another. So therefore, if a man is suspected about an illicit relationship with Leah, so what happens? If he marries Leah's sister, Rachel, so Leah often comes over, Leah often comes over, and what could easily occur? Her. If it's true that there was an illicit relationship, that relationship could continue. However, men don't really visit each other, right? Men don't really visit each other. Therefore, lemaisa again. Therefore, according at least in, at least in Talmudic times. Therefore, again, lemaisa. If Leah can't marry Ruvain, who changed her status, but she marries Ruvain's brother, chances are it's interesting. It just reflects a societal norm. Chances are she's not going to see Ruvain all that much. So because she's not going to see Ruvain all that much, therefore there's no chashash that a relationship may develop. Inami second possibility was, and it's actually very interesting. Noshi delo asran shchivasan ahadadi lo kapti. Gavri the Asran Shrivasan Ahadadi Kapti Ahadadi. This is also fascinating. And again, it just seems to reflect certain realities. Literally, 
A woman knows that if her husband sleeps with another woman, it does not it does not undermine her marriage. Now, we'll see, we'll see this what does that mean? It certainly see, meaning it undermines the fabric of the marriage. It doesn't undermine the halachic fabric of the marriage. Meaning, if a man if a man if a man has relations with another woman who is not his wife, it undermines the the, the, the connection. But halachically, he does not become prohibited to his wife because he had an affair with someone else, even if it's an erva to him. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't preclude his current marriage from going on. Therefore, the Gemara says that Lamaisa, that, that, so therefore, because of that, because of that, it's almost as if the halacha is not as worried if the man goes ahead and, I'm sorry, is not as worried, right, because, well, one more time, one more time, that since Lamaisa, let's read it inside, So because, again, if the man has a relationship with another woman, ultimately it won't undermine his other marriage, his, meaning his marriage, therefore, again, there's not a hakpada. But if a woman sleeps with another man, ultimately, again, that does undermine the marriage, therefore, kapti ahadadi. Therefore, again, they are makbid. So look, look at Rashi for just a moment over here. So Rashi says over here, Rashi says over here, no, no Rashi yet, I'm sorry. Ihochi, aviv nami lo aviv nami. So I'll say, if that's the case, so based on this, so why do you limit the woman's ability to go ahead and marry the brother or the son of the man who changed her status? Why can't she marry his father as well? To which the Gemara answers, to which the Gemara answers, Lomi Bai Kamar. You're right. I will say Lomi Bai is a stylistic statement where the Mishnah says you don't even have to. If you say this, it's understood this as well. Lomi Bai Aviv de Baziz Bane Mine. So I will say, of course, she can marry her father. Why? Because remember again, remember not her father, the father of Ruvain. Remember the Ruvain is the status changer, so she can't marry Ruvain, but she can marry Ruvain's father. And there's no chashash that something may happen between her and Ruvain. Why? Because the son is in general awe of his father. So because the son is in awe of his father, meaning he reveres him, he respects him. Therefore, the mice, again, he would never do anything with his wife. However, Aval Beno, Delobaz is Mine, but I might have thought that perhaps, again, we should not let her marry Ruvain's son. Why? Because the mice, again, a, son, a father is not in awe of his son. Emolo, I might have thought that there might be a chashash that something may happen. Therefore, Kamash Malon, no. Therefore, Kamash Malon, that we're not worried about that. So, Halacha what comes out over here from this sugya is number one, as much as we've established that all of these men, meaning any time that a man is responsible for a marital status change in another woman, he is not permitted to marry her. He's not permitted to marry her. That's, that's Halacha number one. However, Halacha number two, what if he did marry her? If he did marry her, Lemaise again, the marriage works. We do not force them to divorce, even though it looks strange. Even in a case where they say they can't marry, if she married someone in the interim, or he has some dramatic marital change that was not that, that is not that doesn't seem to be that he was looking for a way out of his marriage, then in those situations, what? Halochalamaisa, he is permitted to marry her. But however, again, as much as she is not permitted to marry him, she is permitted to marry his relatives, as opposed to the situation where Lemaisa, a man is suspected of an illicit union, not only is he not permitted to marry the woman, but what? He's also not permitted to marry the relatives of that particular woman as well. All right. Mishnah. We actually had this case. We saw this case already. There are four brothers. So what happens? You have four brothers. Two of them are married to sisters, to two sisters, and they died. 
The brothers who are married to the sisters die. So again, Ruven Shimon, uh, this is a great this one. Ruven Shimon Levi Yehuda, four brothers. Ruven and Shimon are married to two sisters. Ruven and Shimon die. We have we have we already know this case. You guys know this one. Right? Right? I'm sorry. What? Are they no, well that that was no, no, that was the more convoluted case. This is not even such this is not even such a convoluted case. Actually, so what happens? So four brothers, Reuven and Shimon Levi Yehuda, Reuven and Shimon married to two sisters, Reuven and Shimon die. So what happens? So I will say now, obviously, Levi and Yehuda, Levi and Yehuda have two different sisters-in-law in front of them for Yibum. Right? There's Reuven's wife and there's Shimon's wife. So what's the halacha? Hare'elu cholzos v'lo misyavmos. The halacha is that Reuven and Shimon both do chalitza, and neither does yibum. We we will see why that is. But if you take a quick look at Rashi, Rashi is b'farish time of b'gimara mishum zika dechevon detarvayhu zikikan lahai ulahai kama debiyame pagom paga ba'achas zikukas. So the Havi Kishabos is very interesting. Remember we said the machlokes of yesh zeka or ein zeka. We pass in yesh zeka. There is almost well actually it's just that we pass in the Mishnah here is saying that there is Zeka, there is already a marital bond, a type of marital bond that exists between the surviving brother and his sister-in-law. And here's the problem. The problem is, if let's, let's play this out. If, right, Reuven and Shimon are dead. So now if, if Levi does, if Levi does Yibum with, let's say, Reuven's widow, the problem is what? The problem is that he is then having relations with the sister of his Zekuka, right? Remember, again, because Shimon's wife, because remember, there's a Zeka, there's a connection between both women and both brothers. As such, if you go ahead and do Yibum, you are essentially, again, you are violating the Zeka that you have towards the other woman. So it's a Yibum catch-22. Essentially, what the Mishnah is saying is, there is no way to deal with the situation except to do chalitza with both of the women. I'm sorry, I just, I, otherwise I'm going to be three days behind. However, again, if they married them, yotziu. Then I will say, listen to this. However, let's say they did yibum. Let's say they did yibum. So the halacha is yotziu. We force them to divorce in those circumstances. Again, we'll discuss why that is. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Rebbe says, Beishamai Omer Mikayim. So Rabbi Eliezer says, first of all, it's Machlokas. Beishamai says that if they married them in this context, then the Maisa, again, you could keep them, they could remain married. Beishila Omer Beishila says, no, Yotziu. Haisa Achas Mehen Asura Ala Echad Isr Erva. Both say, listen to this. Asr Ba Omutra Bachos. Both say, listen to this. Asheni Asr Bishteyan. Both say, listen to this case. So let's say, same thing. Ruven Shimon Levi Yehuda. Ruven and Shimon married to sisters, but. It happens to be that what? It happens to be that who did Ruvain marry? Ruvain married his niece. He married, he married Levi's daughter. All right, he married Levi's daughter. So Ruvain is married to his niece, Levi's daughter. So what happens? Ruvain and Shimon die. Now two women fall before Levi and Yehuda for evil. But one of those women happens to be who? Happens to be Levi's daughter. Now, I both say, remember again, we, we're already experts in this area of Yibum. That what happens when a woman who is in Erev falls to you in Yibum? What happens? Nothing happens. Right? Lemay said there's no Yibum. And remember again, this is not the case of a co-wife. So she does not disqualify the other woman. So essentially, we'll say this is a case where Levi would be permitted to go ahead and do Yibum with the other woman. Why? Because remember the whole reason in the first case of the Mishnah, why you couldn't do Yibum with either one, because it's Achos Zikukaso. There is no Zeka to a woman who's in Erva. Therefore, effectively for Levi, there's only one Yivama. So Levi has the ability to go ahead and do Yibum with the other wife, meaning the one who's 
not his daughter. However, Vahasheni, but the other surviving brother, namely Yehuda, is still Aser Bishtein, because for Yehuda's, for Yehuda's perspective, Lemaise, again, he still has the pro- he has a zeka to both women, and therefore, again, to do Yibum would be a violation of Achos Zikukasa, so he would be stuck. So essentially, in that case, the only one who could really do Yibum would be Levi with the one who's not his daughter. Isser Mitzvah, Isser Kiddush, Shecholet says, similarly again, if you have two wives, if you have two wives, one of them is, same case, is all the same for brother case. One of the wives is, one of the wives is an Isra Mitzvah. Rashi says, Isra Mitzvah, Ramya Kamei Midorai, Again, this would be, well, actually, we're going to see this is actually a different case in the Mishnah. This is a situation, did I skip? Okay, fine. fine. If one of the women is usher to one of the men because she's an Isra Mitzvah or an Isra Kedusha, we saw this already. Either it means is Asr Midra Banan or it means Asr from an Asay or a regular Dorai, so that doesn't carry with it a penalty of death. What's Talacha? The second woman this is referring to the second. And again, we're going to qualify this case in the Gemara. The second woman does Chalitza, or we do Chalitza with the second woman and not Yibum. So both say, watch this. So again, another, it's going to be another simple case. Where what? Well, none of it's simple. But again, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. So what happened over here? Ruvain married Levi's daughter. Shimon married Yehuda's daughter. Two brothers married to, 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 the, to their nieces. What happens? Both brothers die. So essentially now two wives. One of those wives, Levi can't marry because it's his daughter. One of the wives, Yehuda can't marry because it's his daughter. So meaning one wife, one woman is an Eser Erva to each of them. So no problem. So the halacha is, Ha'asru l'zeh mutaris l'zeh. Va'asru l'zeh mutaris l'zeh. Not a problem. The one who is Aser to Levi is mutter to Yehuda. The one who is mutter to Yehuda is Aser, or the one who is Aser to Yehuda is mutter to Levi. This is the case that we said, Achosa and this is the case that Chazal referred to as the sister who is the Yevimta. She could either do Chalitza or she could do or she could do Yibum. I will say that again. This is the case. The Lav Achos Zikukasa. He the Everlorayim. Because I will say this is not a case of Achos Zikukasa. Why? Because there's no Zeka between the Yavam and the woman who is an Erva to him. Therefore, he is absolutely permitted to go ahead and do Yibum with the woman who is permitted to him. Says the Gemara. Shlami now. I will say what's one thing we see from this Mishnah that we can agree on? Yesh Zeka. What's clear from the Mishnah? I will say is that we we accept the fact that there's Zeka, meaning that when that when a man dies without children, that there is already a quasi-marital bond between the surviving brother and the widow. But I will say, look at Rashi for just a moment, because Rashi takes this a step further. Rashi says, Kilomar, Chamura Achos Zikukaso, Achos Ishtar. And I will say, what the, what the Gemara really means to say is like this, that this Zeka is not just a connection, but what is this Zeka effectively? This Zeka is like a marital bond, which means, I will say, that's why in the case, that's why in the case of Lamaisa, where the two brothers who are married to two sisters die, each brother, each brother, neither brother, surviving brother, could do Yibam. Why? Because it's as if, so to speak, he has a marital bond with each of these women. And if he does Yibam with either of them, it would be like what? It would be like doing Yibam with his wife's sister. That's how strong the Zeka is. That it creates almost a marital bond. So if you would try to do Yibam with either one of these women, it would be like doing Yibam with one's wife's sister, which of course is Aser. Says the Gemara, the Ea in Zeka, because if there is, if you don't accept the concept of Zeka, Michti Hanimitre Basika Asyon, 
say these two women, right, the widows of the two of the two deceased brothers, are coming from two different marriages. So if there's no zeka, let one surviving brother do yibum with one of the women, another surviving brother could do yibum with the other woman, and there's no there's no problem. To which the Gemara said, the olam im in zeka. The truth is, I would tell you, there's still no zeka. I so what's the problem over here? Mishum dekasava asr levatal mitzas yavmim. Because we'll say, what are we concerned about? You are it's asr to negate the performance of Yibam in some way, shape, or form. What does that mean? Dilma, because what do we consider? I'll say, can a case in the Mishnah? Four brothers, Reuven and Shudah married to two sisters, Reuven and Shimon die, so the Mishnah said they have to be Chultz, they have to Chalisa. So we assume the reason for that is because Yesh Zeka. The Gemara says, no, that's true even if ain't Zeka. Why? Because what are we concerned about? Because let's play this out. Let's say we let them do Yibam. Dilma, Adam, Yabim, Chad, Mayis, Idach, Vekamavatul, Mitzas, Yavmin. Because we'll say what happens. Let's say we allow surviving brothers to do Yibum. So now we're going to have Levi do Yibum. So Levi does Yibum with Ruvain's widow. And what happens? Right after Levi does Yibum, before Shimon's able to do, before Yehud is able to do anything, what happens? Shimon dies. And we'll say what happens if Shimon dies? What can Levi do? What, excuse me, not Shimon. What happens if Yehuda dies? Right? What happens if Yehuda dies? Then, then remember again, Levi, the last surviving brother, what could he do now with this widow of Shimon who was supposed to do Yibum with Yehuda? What could he do with her? Nothing. Why? Because she is now the sister of his wife. So essentially what will end up happening is because, because Yehuda died, you will end up negating the any possibility of Yibum. To which the Yibar says, well, if that's the case, so if that's the case, why do you have to set up this case of four brothers? You can set up the case of three brothers as well. Where one of the brothers, where one of the brothers dies, to which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, um, yeah, right. To which the Gemara says the following: So lo mi boy kamar, lo mi boy kaminon, lo mi boy tlasa devadai batla mitzvah yavmin. So it goes without question that in a case of three, you certainly will negate the mitzvah yibum. Now look at Rashi for just a moment. Tlasa nami Rashi says, "My shnod did not get dollar. Why did you have to set up the case of the mission with four brothers?" E amit bishlamu yeshu sekashmin rabu stafagav the trei achinin who velo alima zekaso de kama de miyavim de matzino lemeimar hahiram yakamei vachos. So <laughs> So the Gemara says, if you're concerned about negating the mitzvah of Yibum, so you can even establish that in the case of three brothers. Why? Well, say three brothers, two of whom are married to two sisters, they both die. Both sisters now, both wives, both widows now fall before surviving brother. So what's that lacha? Surviving brother has to do, has to do... Chalitza. And I will say why. Now, if you hold Yesh Zeka, that's obvious why he has to do Chalitza. But if you hold Ein Zeka, then why should he have to do Chalitza? Why? Because the Maestro, I will say, if he just does Yibum with one, then what? The other one is totally precluded from anything. Therefore, again, because we don't like to negate the mitzvah of Yibum, better for him to do Chalitza with both of the women. To which the Gemara says, you're right. It's Lomi Boy. Obviously, in a case of three, where you're clearly negating the mitzvah of Yibum by one of them, so you'll do Chalitza with both. But maybe I'd say, I will 
side that in the case of four brothers, two of whom are surviving, I don't have to be choshesh for the fact that the fourth brother is going to die. To which the Iran says, Kamash no, we are choshesh for Misa. Ihach, and therefore again, will tell both brothers to, to go ahead and do chalitza, thereby ensuring that something happens for both of the women. Ihach, if that's the case, chamisha nami, why don't you go ahead and say the same thing should apply in a case of five brothers? That Lamaisa, again, even if there are three surviving brothers, we should make the five, we should make each of the surviving brothers do chalitza out of concern that Lemaisa again, perhaps all of the surviving brothers will die. Well, this is actually very interesting, to which the Gemara says, um, excuse me, Lemaisa detre lo chayshinon. Because we'll say the halacha is, we're choshesh for the death of one person. We're not choshesh for the death of multiple people. So therefore, we'll say in a case, in a situation apparently where there were more than two surviving brothers, Lemaisa, we would allow the surviving brothers to do yibum and would not mandate chalitza. So we'll listen to this case. If you have three, 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 three women, three women who are sisters, who are Yavamos. We'll say, so what's the case over here? Remember again, Ruven, Shimon, Levi, Ruven, Shimon, Levi are married to three sisters. And what happens? So Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, and the, all three of them die. And there are two surviving brothers, and they fall before, before two brothers, Yehuda and Yisachar. So Yehuda and Yisachar are now the surviving brothers. What's the halacha? So, so what happens? I will say. So Yehuda does chalitza with one of the one of the widows. Yisachar does chalitza with one of the brothers. And the third wife requires chalitza from both of them. Okay, when it means the middle wife, it just means the third wife requires chalitza from both of them. Okay, so what's happening over here? So only Rava. The fact that you said that the third wife requires chalitza from both of them, what does that mean? It must mean the following. You must hold. There is zeka. There is zeka. And I will say what that means, there is zeka, there is a marital bond between the surviving brother, the brothers and each of these three women. And therefore what? By the time they get to the third wife, the third woman, the third widow, it is a deficient chalitza. And I will say, what does that mean? It's a deficient chalitza. So look at Rashi for just a moment. The fact that she requires chalitza from both of them, I will say, now remember again, if you say yesh zeka, yesh zeka means what? That lamaisa, every widow has a marital connection to who? To every surviving brother. Amazing. Listen to this. That watch we'll say, watch this. So now remember, three survive three three widows. So Yehuda does Yehuda does Khalitsa with widow number one. Yisachar does chalitza with widow number two. By the time they get to widow number three, I both say, is there any possibility with chalitza with widow number three? Any possibility? No. Why? Because widow number three is achos chalutzaso. 
you are not permitted to marry the sister of a woman with whom you did chalitza. There is no possibility of yibum with wife number three, with widow number three. So both say, because that the Gemara says, the chalitza is deficient. Because it's not a, a, it's not a full-fledged chalitza, because full-fledged chalitza only occurs when? Only occurs when? When you have the possibility of yibum. But because there's no possibility of yibum with wife number three, therefore the chalitza is deficient. And interestingly enough, the Gemara says that whenever you have a deficient chalitza, it's not just enough for one of the brothers to do chalitza. What has to happen? Each of the brothers has to do chalitza. Okay? So the Gemara says, that's what it means, chalitza psula. Chalitza psula means literally a deficient chalitza. The chalitza psula, and when you have a deficient chalitza, that you, then you need a chalitza from each of the brothers. Switch the as quickly as just one, 30 seconds. If that's because I don't understand, that logic should apply not just to the third wife, that logic should apply to each of the wives, right? Because in essence, really, as we said before, you can't do yibum with any of these women. Why can't you do yibum with any of these women? Because if you hold yesh, then what? Then each of these women are called There's no Yibam possibility with any of them. Therefore, again, anytime you do Yibam, it's always a deficient Chalitza. And therefore what? And therefore the Maisa, each of the brothers should have to do Chalitza with each of the surviving, with each of the widows. To which the Gemara says, you're right. If, if, all, if all three of the brothers died at once and all of them were widowed at once, you would have each brother do Chalitza with each of the women. But what's the case? What's the case? I'll say the three brothers did not die simultaneously. They died one after the other. So Ruvain died. Therefore, again, what happened? So we'll say again, the Gemara uses a different name, but the idea is, so what happens? Brother number one died. So then again, then one brother did Chalitza with her. The second brother died. Second brother did Chalitza with her. At this point in time, when third brother dies, Nafla lahai, excuse me, nafkala, so not, 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 excuse me, nafla idach, chalat, so what happens? Now, third brother dies. I was at this, at this point in time, when third brother dies, so third wife has for each brother the status of what? She is the sister of the woman with whom he did chalitza. Therefore, Abosai, again, their chalitza is going to, there's no way they could do yibum. Therefore, it's a deficient chalitza. So what has to happen? So, chalitza lahai. So, brother, so one brother comes along and does chalitza. Mafka zeka. So, removes his zeka. Chalitza lehai. The other brother comes along and does chalitza. Mafka zeka. So, ultimately, we'll remove his zeka. As I will say, we'll stop over here. We're not finished with this. So, again, Hashem, we're going to continue with this tomorrow. Why is there zika at all?